Greetings and welcome to Shnai Mikra, the wonderful podcast series sponsored and initiated by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each one of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and we're now looking at the fourth aliyah of our parasha, Parashat Devarim, continuing with the Moshe's uh, retelling to the new generation of the story of why they're there. That's essentially what Parshat Dvarim accomplishes, is Moshe is telling the new generation why we are in the plains of Moab, having taken an extremely circuitous route to prepare for entry into the land, and why it took so long. Why is this generation with whom he's speaking not natural-born Knanim, not natural-born Yisraelim, born in the land, having grown up already conquered the land, instead having themselves prepare for conquer, conquest. And so in the previous uh, Aliyah, and really Aliyah and a half, he retold the story of what we refer to as the Meraglim. They are only called Meraglim in this version, not in Shlach. And the previous Aliyah ended with Hashem's commitment that Yoshua should be given support and strengthened by Moshe, because he would be the one that would bring them to the land. So we pick up in Perak Aleph Pasuk Alamed Tet, chapter 1, verse 39 of Tvarim, Vitapchem, and your children. Now, this is Moshe relating what Hashem had spo- said to the parents' generation. So when he speaks to this generation, he says, your children, he really means them. Vitapchem, asher amartem You, meaning your parents, had said that your children, meaning you, your infants, would be destroyed, they'll be the ones to come. So what Moshe is telling the people, this audience, is that they were years ago the direct focus of Hashem's command that they would, in a sense, be the reparation for the sin of the people in response to the report of the spies. They would be the ones to come to the land. And notice, I'm giving give it to them. I'm not giving it to you. But there's an interesting take here. Normally we regard Hashem's gifts going all the way back to Breshit of the land and His promises as being multi-generational and sequ- sequential in generation. When He gives it to Avraham, that means it automatically goes to one of Avraham's seed or all of them. gets to Yitzchak. It's going to continue on. <clears throat> And that there is no interruption in it. Now, there is a factual interruption that takes place for, let's say, uh, Aminadav and anyone else who's born in Egypt and doesn't necessarily make it out of, out of Egypt, who's born in exile and dies in exile. But there's still part of a continuity of people who hold on to the land. A unique suspension took place in the desert in which the promise of giving the land to Avraham's seed, to Yaakov's family, was suspended for one generation. And that's what's being enunciated here. That the generation that left Egypt had the promise removed from them. They were no longer the heirs of the land. And rather, their children, the direct audience of Moshe Rabbeinu at this point, I'm going to give it to them, and they will inherit it. And now, remember, Vyatem now is still the parents. You turn In other words, at this point, the people were on the cusp of the land, but from the most direct entry point, from the north Negev, 
Kadesh Barnea. In the last podcast, to describe more or less where that is. And they're ready to enter the land. And now Moshe says, Hashem said to your parents, you turn and go south. You go away from the land. Now, And here is where the generations get mixed together. Because Moshe is speaking again to the next generation. The parents have all died. Anyone who's going to the land is, uh, anyone who is not going to the land is already gone, with the exception of Moshe himself. Aaron is gone. Miriam is gone. And Moshe speaks to the, to the ones who are entering the land as if they were their parents. You turned and responded to me when I told you to go south. You admitted that you sent to God. And what was your response? Your response was wrong-headed. We will go up and we will fight. Just as God, is every which way that God commanded. Everybody belted on his, his swords. You put on your swords getting ready to go. There's a lot of confusion about what this word may mean. I says from the word hain. Um, and then therefore the tav is not part of the root, but rather it's the, uh, it's the, uh, uh, prefix that indicates second person plural. And you prepared yourselves. You made yourselves hain or hine. Made yourselves ready to go up to the mountain. Now, notice what's good about what they're doing and what's bad about what they're doing. What's good about what they're doing is they're trying on the spot to repair the sin that they just committed. We rejected the land. We were afraid. Now we're going to conquer the land. We're no longer afraid. We're going with Hashem. And that's the good part. The bad part is that they think that their rejection of the land was an inherent violation. It It was not an inherent violation. It was a violation of trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and trust in Hashem's promise. Hashem had given a promise that he would bring us to the land, we would conquer the land, the enemies would fall, disperse, not even be there, and instead, we were scared and afraid that that would not be fulfilled. That was the problem. The reparation for that is not to then say, when Hashem says, now you cannot go to the land, to say we're going to go anyways. That's just compounding the crime. The reparation for that is to say, we will accept whatever Hashem says. If Hashem says we should go to the desert, that's the right thing for us to do. Hashem says we should go fight. That's the right thing for us to do. Now, this scenario, this little epilogue to the story of the Miraglim, which is called the story of the Mapilim, as they are called, as the word says, which is the very end of chapter 14 in Bamidbar, the very end of the narrative of the story, is treated very differently. Because in that case, the Mapilim, it's not exactly clear that they're doing a terrible thing from the context there. They, Moshe says, don't go, I'm not going with you, the Arona's not going with you. They go up, to, they try to conquer anyways. They're presented, by the way, as a relatively small group, and they are killed. However, here, that crime is seen as equal in severity, and I'll show you in a minute how, to the original crime of the rejection of the land. What did Hashem say to me? Tell them not to go up and not to fight. Now this is not mentioned in Shlach, that Hashem said this, but that, that he, but Moshe told them, because I am not with you, so that you should not be destroyed in front of your enemies, you should not fall in front of your enemy. And this of course the Alechem is a corporate Alechem, 
It can't mean really because he would be speaking to dead people. He said, I spoke to you and you did not listen. You rebelled against God's word. And you seethed. You acted with deliberation. And you went up to the mountain. Now notice that Moshe here uses the word vatamru, you rebelled, and that's exactly the same word and the same phrase that he uses earlier in describing the original sin of the spies. If you take a look at, um, uh, back in the previous uh, passage, when he describes vatavarzeh and chem aminim, etc., and then he uh, he, he uh, gives the description of their the description of their rebellion all the way back in Pasuk Chavam, verse twenty six. You rebelled against God's word. Exactly the same room, uh, the same words as he uses here in Pasuk Mem Gimel. And so in this presentation, Moshe sees as equally grave, and presents to them as equally grave, their refusal to go to the land when Hashem said they should go, and their insistence on going to the land when Hashem said they should not go. Because it's not about the land, it's about loyalty and fealty to Hashem. And as such, this is a critical message for the generation that's about to enter the land. And that's an important point, I mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts, that this gives a great opportunity to give some overarching uh, comments and introductory uh, presentation to the study of the book of Dvarim. Dvarim, as it is Moshe's farewell speech and charge to the generation that's entering the land, one of the issues that we cont- continually uh, encounter and parenthetically was fodder for the Bible critics and as such led Rabbi David Tzvi Hoffman to compose his uh, great work on Sefer Vayikra in which he spent much energy justifying the repeated but varied presentations in Dvarim, in Deuteronomy, relative to Vayikra specifically, that one of the issues is when there seems to be a conflict between the presentation of the story in Dvarim and that in in the earlier books. One of the issues to take into account, in in an earlier podcast I spoke about seeing two different perspectives to a story, sort of a la Rav Breuer's Shtebechinot approach, there's another piece to the puzzle, is we have to look at this somewhat historiosophically, and I'll explain what that means. A historiosophy is a telling of a story with a particular agenda. And nearly every history told in Tanakh is a historiosophy. Take a look, for example, at the last chapter of Sefer Yoshua. Take a look at the first book of Shmuel, chapter 12, when they're about to crown Shaul. Each time when the narrator presents a history, or take a look at Shoftim Yudalov, when Yiftach speaks to the king of Ammon about the land, and who is the proper owner of the land. There is a selective telling of history, nothing untrue, but a selective telling of history. Chronology perhaps is not significant. Uh, Omitted issues uh, and what is presented there, how they're presented, the names that are presented are all there because this story has an agenda, it has a goal. In the case of Yeshua at the end, the goal is to get the people to commit to loyalty to Hashem after Yeshua dies. In the case of Shmuel's speech in Perak Yudbet of Shmuel Aleph, is to have the people realize that the king needs to be loyal to God and the king does not become a deity. In the case of Iftach, his presentation is to try to argue that the king of Ammon has no claim on Transjordan on the parts that he wants. Each one of it is an agenda. 
What is the general agenda of Moshe Rabbeinu in his farewell speech? It is to prepare the people for their entrance into the land, a land in which there will be a very different reality than they've had in the desert, the, the experience that they've grown up with. He himself, himself will not be there, so certain levels of prophecy will also not be there. There will be the beginnings of establishment of a home, and therefore a monarchy, and therefore a mikdash, and therefore the focus in Tavarim is preparation for that. But it's not just the legal preparation, and therefore the only book in Tanakh, in, in Chumash, in which there is an emphasis on centrality of worship, and there's only one place of worship, is in Tvarim. The only book that focuses on the issues of a king is in Tvarim, both in legal talk and legalese and also in prophetic presentations. For instance, in Parakhavchet and the Curse. Um, and so therefore we have to look at the narratives in Tvarim and specifically the narratives that are quasi-repetitions but presented differently than they were in the earlier books as being focused towards that aim. What is the critical piece of the message that Moshe is giving about the story of the Meraglim? It's not so much about a rejection of the land because here he has a nation that is chomping at the bit, ready to go. They want to come into the land already. Critical issue is that they have to maintain their loyalty to Hashem. And if there is a particular war that needs to be fought, Hashem says fight, they fight. But if there's a particular land that they need to avoid uh, at present times, they're not ready for it. And Hashem says no, that they shouldn't go and violation of either one of those is equally a tr- is equally a uh, a lack of proper allegiance to Akorosh Baruch, and therefore he presents in this case the Mapilim as equally uh, treacherous toward towards Hashem, even though they demonstrated a great desire to conquer the land. That will become very clear when we get into the next Aliyah and are told about the lands we're not to conquer. Continuing on, what happened to those people? Who came, who, uh, who went and attacked nonetheless. So the Emori who lived in that mountain came out to greet you, to meet you, meaning to face you. And they chased you, just like bees, coming after you with their stingers. And they wiped you out, they, they hurt you, they killed you in Seir. This is evidently a different Seir than Mount Seir of Edom, because this is now in the Negev, not in Transjordan and all the way to a place called Chorma. Chorma may be a reference to a town that's mentioned in the first book of Shoptim, called Sfat, that later gets changed to Chorma. It may be a town that they just nicknamed Chorma because they were destroyed there. And what happened? Then you came back and you wept in front of Hashem, meaning you wept and asked, what was it that you asked? Well, we'll find out. God did not listen to your voice. and did not attend to you. And what does that mean? That means that God did not give you what you asked for. So what was it that you asked for? We don't know yet. The answer is, You stayed in Kadesh for a long time. And most of the Rishonim understand, meaning, as you know that you stayed there for a long time. You know that you were there for a long time. So what was it that you asked for, meaning your parents asked for? Again, there's a conflation of the current generation and the previous. What was it that you asked for? You clearly asked, for the opportunity to nonetheless go in and, and take the land. We sin, we realize this sin, Hashem, please let us have another chance. We want to go in the land with your blessing, and Hashem did not give it to them. That will become a bit of foreshadowing from Moshe's own experience with the land, uh, which will be taken up, of course, in Pashat Va'et Hanan. Vanefen v'nesam yidbarad derech yamsuf, and so we turned and we went south towards Yamsuf, just like Hashem told me, 
And we encircled Har Seir, which is the mountain of Edom, that area, for a long time. Yamim Rabim, of course, is used in, in the previous Pasuk, to which the Midrash therefore says that there were 19 years in Kadesh, 19 years around Har Seir, Yamim Rabim, Yamim Rabim, and that that concluded the 38 years between the episode of the spies and now the pretty close to current times of the travels in Transjordan that ultimately led to the location from which I is giving the speech, Arvot Moab. Okay, we'll pick it up in the next podcast with the sixth Ali, fifth, uh, fifth Aliyah. Meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.